A reading from 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 through 20. Brothers and sisters, we were separated from you for a while physically, but not in our hearts. We made every effort in our desire to see you again face to face. We wanted to come to you. I, Paul, tried over and over again, and Satan stopped us. What is our hope, joy, or crown that we can brag about in front of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Isn't it all of you? You are our glory and joy. The word of the Lord. My name is Kevin Bates, and I am a pastor in Sherwood, Oregon. And my desire for this broadcast is each and every week to bring theological principles and help you to apply them very tangibly to your life. We are changing the format of our online broadcast, as you can see, and each and every week you will see small changes from here on out just to help bring something new to the stage, but also to make this broadcast more engaging and helpful for you in the future. I want to encourage you to tune in each and every week. We drop these on Sunday morning, so you can tune in at a Sunday morning normal time at 10 o'clock. And ways to support our ministry, if you wanted to follow this broadcast each and every week, but also to like our Instagram page, and also uh, like our Facebook page. Follow our, follow our Instagram, like our Facebook. And if you want to give to our ministry, then go to resonatelife.org, get on the Give tab, and you can give financially to our ministry as well. So we are continuing our series on Advent, and the theological principle of joy is huge. It's a huge theological principle, yet joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart, down in my heart is an old camp song. We oftentimes don't really know what joy is because we equate joy to a, an emotional elation or a happiness. We think that joy is on equal plane to happiness, and it's not. The modern definition of joy is much different than the biblical definition of joy. So what we would call happiness in our culture, um, really people just mix that up with joy. Happiness is an emotional elation, but happiness in the Bible, you would translate the word blessed to the word happiness. So blessed are those, so happy are those. So blessed or blessed would be the translated word into happiness. So blessed is, is happy, but joy is completely, completely different. So the Christian understanding of joy is seen in the life of Jesus, where Jesus was born, lived a life, died on a cross, raised from the dead, promised that he would come again, and that when heaven comes down to earth in the flesh and blood of Jesus, that is joy. So we are going to unpack that a little bit, how we can apply this idea, this gospel joy to our lives in a tangible way. So joy, I've heard in the past, is equated to a sense or a state of of being. And happiness is the emotion, joy is the state of being. Both of those are, I would say, happiness is an, an emotional relation, but joy is much different than just a state of, of being. So joy is much greater than that. If I look in the Greek and I look at the word kara, 
where we get our word charisma from. Kara is the Greek word that's translated basically as joy in the experience. So joy is the experience when you realize grace. That's what charisma, kara, in the Greek would mean. Joy is the experience when you realize grace. So if I look around in the Bible, I see in Revelation 19.7, where let us rejoy or rejoice and celebrate and give him the glory for the wedding day of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. So the idea of rejoying, where we re-experience the realization of grace. That's what rejoice actually would be translated to. It's the practice of joy, where we re-experience or we re-practice over and over, and we recognize grace in a greater way. It's hard to recognize grace. It's easier to recognize fault. It's easier to recognize sin. It's easier to recognize guilt and shame. And a lot of times we live in our culture that way. We are riddled with, with guilt, shame, and anger, and fear, and all the things that are opposite of joy and happiness and grace and rejoice. So I would say that the practice of joy is recognizing grace. So we not only recognize Jesus and the gospel message that produces joy, but we also recognize grace in others, and we intentionally offer grace in others to re-experience others to recognize grace as well. So grace, what is grace? I would say that grace is goodwill. <clears throat> goodwill when you recognize goodwill in yourself, and you recognize goodwill in others, and in order to recognize goodwill, you have to have mercy, you have to have forgiveness, you have to have positive intent. You can't single story people. You have to look at the whole picture of the person's life and see them as a human being created in the eyes of God, in the image of God, that that is a person and is a holder or a curator or the house of the Holy Spirit, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the same spirit that's working in me is working in others, and is working in others, is working then to the other, whoever the other is in your life, the one that you think is outside of grace. We need to intentionally find goodwill and positive intent in others. So rejoicing or having joy is intentionally looking for the experience of grace in other people, recognizing grace in other people, recognizing good will. So joy is the intentional movement towards that, the intentional movement towards positive intent, intentional movement towards seeking out good will or seeking out goodness in others and naming it. I mean, sometimes we just have to name it. We have to name the affirmation. We have to practice affirmation. And when we look at another person and all we can do is criticize and all we can do is see their faults and all the negative. It's very easy to look at another person's negative and see all of the uh, and blame them for everything. They are the problem, right? So it's easy to do that with another person, yet it's more difficult to affirm, but also to find in the name and to seek out affirmation. I think that that is a part of seeking out goodwill in other people, seeking out that grace, learning to say it, 
I think is important. Learning to speak it out loud. You are a wonderful, wonderful person because that is joy. When we have joy, we will intentionally seek those times in others, intentionally affirm in others. So joy is also not only an intentional seeking out, an intentional movement towards goodwill, an intentional naming of goodwill. It's an intentional action. And that intentional action is to offer grace to others. So not only is it recognizing grace, but it's also offering grace to others, intentionally forgiving, intentionally uh, forbearing, even if that person never understands what they've done to wrong you, that at first our joy starts with recognizing grace and intentionally giving grace in other people. So I use communion each and every year for the Advent season as a metaphor for the practice of the recognition of grace. That's what we do when we take communion. The Eucharisteo, which is the Eucharist, is the acknowledgement of grace. It's the practice of worship, of acknowledging that Jesus came, lived, died, resurrected, and promised that he would come again. Every time we take the Eucharist or the communion elements, that is what we're declaring. We're proclaiming the Lord until he comes again, but we're proclaiming what Paul says, proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. So the death of Christ is the metaphor of the gospel of Christ, as Paul says, that we are to proclaim the gospel of Christ, life, death, birth, life, death, burial, resurrection, when we partake of the bread and the fruit of the vine. We claim this, as Paul says, we proclaim this, and we reclaim. So we proclaim, we claim, we proclaim, and we reclaim the act. And so that is what bringing recognition to it is. When we reclaim something, we will actually practice doing it to other people will actually offer it to other people. So when we take communion, as we realize the grace that has been given to us, the forgiveness that has been given over us, that we are seen with a new life reputation, a new name even, that we will take on that new name, that new reputation, and that new life that the Bible teaches that we have in Christ, and we will offer that to other people. We'll give that to other people. So that's an intentional acknowledgement. Something that I think we all struggle with, an intentional acknowledgement of finding goodwill, uh, positive intent, and grace in others. As Christ has done this for you, we are to do it to others. So communion is that metaphor, that Eucharisteo, that Eucharist, the, the grace or the recognition of grace is the metaphor of how I'm to treat others in my life. As Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Father, forgive them for they do not know. Father, forgive them for they do not realize. Father, forgive them because they are just completely unaware. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. That is an act of joy. And so when we do that, when we offer the kindness and the service and the grace and the generosity and the offering and the sacrifice to others, and we live out that Eucharisteo, we live out the communion in other people, then we are rejoying. We are rejoicing in that moment. So joy is not only just a recognition Joy is not just an acknowledgement, but joy is actually an intentional action. It's an intentional 
emotional, I would say, because it does have happiness within it, that part of joy is to be happy, that we have a sense of kindness and, and service and joy is, is just that. So looking at other people's health, looking at other people's way of life, looking at other people's life in general, what they do, what they don't do, what they say, what they don't say, all of that, people just, they live life the way that they live life. And we are, as Christian people, to love them no matter our opinion, no matter our judgment, no matter what we think, that God tells us to love our neighbor, that we are to love those, maybe even so different than us, but we are to love those purely because Christ loved us. And that's the process of building joy. When we, when we give joy, when we love our neighbor, when we offer kindness and goodwill and positive intent, and we seek that in other people, we recognize it, seek it, and offer grace and forgiveness and forbearance to other people, that is the process of building joy. So joy is, as the Revelation Scripture tells us in 19, that that is a practice that we let us rejoice, it says. So it's joy in the practice of offering kindness and positive intent. That is building joy. So joy is not out of what we can seek. It is, it is what we offer. It is what we give to others. So joy first, I would say, has to be birthed out of the self-discovery of who I am. If I don't realize that I am loved, I'm not going to offer love. If I don't realize that I am kind, I'm really not going to see kindness in others. So really our recognition is the mere reflection of what we believe we are. It's very difficult when we have low self-esteem, low self-worth and image to find, I would say, to find or discover those same things in other people. If we don't see ourselves as a beautiful creation, the toe of the good that we are ultimately the supremely good creation that God said in Genesis, that we are the tov, that we are the goodness, that we are the beauty of God's eye, it's going to be hard to see that in others. So it's, there's a lot of self-work here that I would say that to, in order to rejoy or to build joy or the process of building joy, we have to go through a sense of self-discovery about who I am. Because I do believe in the law of proportionate love, that we will love in accordance to how we feel and experience love ourselves, that it's very difficult to offer something that we don't know. That's one of the quadrants of self-awareness, that if I don't know something about myself, it's very difficult to offer that to, to others. So I would say that joy is not just empty words. Joy is not just a feeling. Joy is not just an emotional elation. Joy has flesh and blood to it that the flesh and blood, not only in Jesus Christ, but the flesh and blood of the body of the church, that we are to go out into the world and offer love to the neighbor. That's solid. I would say that that's a solid action that we are, are to do. We need to, to temper our deconstruction of people and their ideas. We need to temper our criticizing of others and their ways of life. We need to spend more time in acknowledging other people in grace, acknowledging their goodness, acknowledging and learning to affirm versus just deconstructing and decomposing other people's actions and their lives and casting them aside. So how am I to do this? I would say that there's some lessons that I need to 
to learn when we when I teach on gratefulness, when I teach on giving thanks, I think that it's related that we first need to learn to give thanks. We need to learn to be grateful of what has been given. We need to be grateful for the bodies we have. We need to be grateful for the food that's on our plate. We need to be grateful for the, the family that we have in our homes or the friends that we are connected with on a regular basis. We, the loved ones that we have, being grateful for our workplaces, even may, might be difficult. We need to learn to be grateful for the things that are presented to us and that we are as people. And when we learn to be grateful, when we learn to enter into thankfulness, I think that that is a self-discovery, that we will eventually learn to have a positive view of self, that we have a positive view of action, positive view of who I am and what I offer the world. And so therefore, because I have a positive view of self or a solid, solid, balanced, positive view of self. I'm not just talking about being positive Polly or being positive Paul and in life and just forcing a positive view of self, but doing the hard work and working through issues to get to and through the other side. Our story, our journey is important to this, and we need to learn to be grateful for who I am and what I'm about. Therefore, I can offer such things. I can offer grace. I can offer love. I can offer positive intent to others because I think positive myself. I've given myself grace, and I've also forgiven my past. And so can we be, in practical sense, can we be a grateful people? Can we learn a sense of gratefulness? I would say in our culture right now, we are so divided in the way that we behave that there's a lot of ungratefulness that is out there, that if you disagree with me, that I cast you aside in our culture. That's kind of the mantra, that we can't even disagree with one another without casting that person out, the one that we disagree with. Well, I would say this tangibly when I, one of the life lessons that I teach my daughter is when something, and my daughters, my, my youngest is getting old enough to have these discussions as well. When something is put in front of us, whether it be a gift, whether it be a plate of food, or whether it be you know mushrooms, whatever it is that that we cook up and put in front of her, and she doesn't like it. Let's say she doesn't like the gift, she doesn't like what somebody does for her, or she doesn't like the food that's presented or the drink that's presented to her, that this overreaction of disgust and disdain from what is offered publicly when we offer a disgust or a disdain shows a lot of ungratefulness. And so I've taught over the years, I've made sure to teach her that no thank you, or that's lovely, thank you, and just show appreciation for what was given to her, but you don't necessarily have to like everything that's done or given to you, and if it's a violation to say no thank you um, is very important. That is a healthy boundary that we teach our daughter. If somebody says something or does something that she feels a threat, you know, no thank you is a practice. But also, if she is really not into something, that she could say no thank you as well. But also to say and have a balanced view of thank you when somebody really tries and does something that is a loving gesture 
or just cooks up a meal or really presents something and really tries in something to have an, an over-discussed uh, just because you don't like it um, really does not show a sense of gratefulness. And what I normally see in those that act in such ways is there's not necessarily a sense of joy. So this is a real small start to a practical example of why people don't have joy. People don't have joy because they don't necessarily have a gratefulness or a thankfulness to what others are doing or what others are offering them. So something really small and, and kind of lame that happened to me is that around the Thanksgiving uh, holiday, I presented a bunch of ingredients for homemade eggnog. I was going to make homemade eggnog for the family and I was excited and so I purchased all these products. It cost me about $75 to get everything because of food costs, right, right now. And so I purchased all these things and brought them over. I was going to produce uh, fresh eggnog for everyone. I just know how to do that. was excited to do that. And so somebody there began to fake dry heave in front of me uh, when I said I was going to make fresh eggnog. And they started dry heaving to the point and acting in a point of immaturity that I was just completely over it. I wanted to basically pack up and go somewhere else because it was honestly quite uh, offensive. Yet I just powered through it. It became a little internal for a while and processed it and gave out my eggnog to those that wanted it. And they were very thankful. They were also overly thankful and overly grateful and overly uh, affirming to my eggnog because of what had happened. And so those moments that we see, and I know that that's just something really simple, but one of those moments uh, that we see an outward display of ungratefulness, and you have your little examples of ungratefulness, there's nothing wrong with saying, no, thank you, or that's that's nice. No, thank you. I don't I don't really like eggnog, but I'm sure everybody else would like some eggnog. There's nothing wrong with refusing or saying no, thank you. But there's something very wrong with an outward display of ungratefulness. So this is a teaching point that I think can become applicable is we will know that you have joy. Those around you will know that you have joy when you display a sense of gratefulness and thankfulness for what is done, served, and given to you as a sacrifice and a gift. Well, I would say that in our culture, you take that example of eggnog and you can apply it to so many different things where people are so upset or so disgruntled or so outwardly expressive about their discontent towards others, almost to the point of discounting others as, <clears throat> excuse me, as human beings, where I think that that's borderline, while it is sinful when we or dis have such a discontent for others that we discount them even as a human creation. I think that that's wrong. And so it's really important, I think, first principle is to have a life attitude of appreciation. And that lays down, <clears throat> that lays down the groundwork of joy. That lays down the groundwork of rejoice. So another principle that I would give an applicable idea is 
having joy doesn't just happen overnight. It comes with practice. And so last Christmas, you heard the same concept of joy. You heard even similar scripture, similar ideas about joy, yet I see less joy this year than I did last year. So maybe that sermon didn't sink in, or maybe you didn't hear it, or maybe the world didn't hear it. I don't know. But we need more joy today than ever before. And our joy needs to be practiced. And so you think about, again, the Eucharisteo, the communion is a practice. It comes out of this practice. Joy comes out of the practice. And so in Acts 20, verse 7, it says, on the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread. So on the first day of the week, every week, they gathered together. They had a meal together. They practiced the table. And I think that the table is also a metaphor of rejoicing and having the practice of joy around a meal. I think the table is just symbolic of loved ones, of those friends and family, but even opening up the table, an extra chair for those that don't have a place or those that are not welcome at other tables that you can open up your table. And so if you can imagine every time you meet with someone, you visualize communion, you visualize the table. You visualize breaking bread. You visualize the meal. You visualize the fruit of the vine and the sacrifice that went into creating. Let's just talk about a meal. The sacrifice that's created in presenting that meal. If you could think about that idea every time you meet with somebody, whatever the situation is, that you would remember the sacrifice or what was spent, uh, how time was spent around that table that you would give that sense of joy, the recognition of goodwill, the practice of positive intent, the intentional seeking out of grace and intentional affirmation that every time you meet with someone, you would practice such things. That you take the metaphor of the Eucharisteo, the communion, and you would bring that into every single, every single uh, situation. So do this in remembrance of me. This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my blood given to you. Do this in remembrance of, of me. So when you offer yourself, could you say the same? Do this in remembrance of me. I, I have much gratefulness for what you've done in my life. And so therefore I can seek out goodwill, positive intent, grace, and forgiveness and intentionally experiencing experiencing the recognition of grace in relationship. But there's also a waiting time. And I think the waiting, the Advent is the time of waiting. It's the place and time in the church calendar where we wait. And I believe that practice and joy of practice, the rejoicing, there is some waiting. There is some anticipation to it, and I believe that God has given us a rhythm for our week that's really important. We have seven days, and supposedly we are supposed to have a Sabbath within that seven days. A lot of us don't get that day off, but that is supposed to be a practice as well. But then there's a time during the week of celebration, and every week of celebration, that could be your, thank goodness it's Friday, um, it could be your Sunday afternoon. It could be, but the but the Sabbath is supposed to be an idea of entering into that eternal rest or entering into that eternity, that eternal joy, that eternal celebration. And so 
that time is to gain clarity, clarity of mind. And so every week we are to have a time where we can celebrate or a time that we can Sabbath or a time that we can reflect. And maybe this is a time that you can recognize grace in other people. I have never prepared for Christmas like I do now ever since I started practicing Advent. I think that Advent is an important, important uh, holiday season. It's an important Christmas event or Christmas practice. Chris, Christians uh, long did away with the church calendar and the idea of Advent became maybe Christmas Eve service or Christmas Eve gathering in some churches. I, I think that a lot of our Christmas season is running around at last minute getting gifts and such uh, for others and, and trying to get last minute you know food to cook or, or whatever it is that we're running around getting things done. That's, that has been our Advent season. But really, Advent is a time where we are practicing hope. We're practicing joy. We're practicing peace. We're practicing love. That we're actually practicing things waiting for the Christ child to come to celebrate the Christ child. And that is the rhythm of Christmas. So the celebration time is about upon us where we celebrate Christmas with generosity and eating and breaking of bread like we see in Acts 20 but also that we worship and sing and praise the Lord because of all that he's done through the birth of his son. So I think that the idea of even Advent is a rhythm. It's a practice of joy. So there's one last part of joy that I want to talk about today, and that is the recognition of joy in receiving Receiving is one of those things that is difficult. I don't necessarily like to receive gifts. I like to give gifts. I like to buy my own stuff and give gifts. And that is very controlling. I would say that is one of my most controlling things is I like to buy my own things and I like to give you a gift. You give me a gift and we're going to struggle because I'm a difficult person I'm a difficult person to purchase for, um, I've been told over and over and over again. But I would say I'm a difficult person in receiving a gift because I struggle with being thankful. I struggle with being grateful. I don't really know what to say because of my own self-concept, of my own self-image, my own self-esteem. So I don't feel necessarily like I deserve it. I don't deserve a gift, therefore I struggle with being thankful for something that somebody does for me, therefore I don't necessarily show joy. I have worked on this for years in my life in the practice of hospitality and receiving hospitality from others. And so there's an expectation that we have in joy that not only do we give, but also others are going to give to us. That's the expectation that others will also want to give us a sense of sacrifice and grace and affirmation and generosity into our lives. So that's where it gets a little difficult. The practice of hospitality is not just practicing opening your home and inviting people in and cooking them a meal and presenting a beautiful spread on your table and offering them 
uh, a place for the evening or whatever. That's, that's only one part of hospitality. The other part of hospitality is how we receive such things. When we go over to someone's home, when we receive their generous gift, when we receive their generous sacrifice, or maybe they serve us in a way that's like, oh my goodness, I could have done that, or why are they doing that for me, right? So that is a part of hospitality, is receiving. That's difficult that we like to give, but it's more awkward to receive. Well, in order to have joy, we must go through a self-discovery about who we are. We must practice, we must practice finding and recognizing grace and forgiveness and recognizing uh, humanity, recognizing that other people are human beings deserved of love. When we practice joy, we will give sacrifice, be generous to other people because of such things. So we go through the self-discovery. We understand who we are and we understand that we are loved. Therefore, we can give love. And so therefore we give love, but also we need to be able to receive that love as well. So hospitality or receiving of gifts, receiving of other people's joy and grace and love in our lives also needs to be practiced. It also needs to be prepared for. And I believe that's part of what the Advent is all about, is that when we have that, that uh, when we have joy, we will learn to also receive. It does say in Acts 20 on the first day of the week when we gathered, it wasn't when I cooked the meal and offered it to you. No, it's when we gathered together to break bread. So we all brought a part of the meal and we're giving and we're also receiving. So that is the biblical idea of joy. And there's some practical ideas, some application there that I find is very important for us especially in this season, but also just throughout our lives and throughout our year, that we would practice such things. We ha would have the joy of self-discovery, that we would self-discover who we are, that we are a child of God and that we are made in His image and that we are loved by God. And we're truly loved in incredible ways through the love of Christ in the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection and the ascension, the promise that He's coming again, that gospel that we are truly loved in such a way. Therefore, we can offer love to others. But because we are loved so much and other people love us so much that loving our neighbor is also, there's a two-way street there to receive love from our neighbor as, as well. It reminds me of the three widow's mites or it reminds me of what others offer us that maybe can't afford it or maybe can't, and it's a huge sacrifice, that's when it becomes really difficult to receive joy from another person, especially when it took them a very long time to put something together to offer us. But that is to be prepared for and practiced as well. So thanks for joining us today. My prayer is that you would have joy that you would bring joy into the world. So may you bring joy through self-discovery of who you are. May you bring joy in understanding that you are truly loved, that you would bring joy in offering that love to others and also receiving that love from others. And that is what Advent Joy is all about. Thank you for joining us.